You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Today, I want to talk to you about aligning with authority. Say authority. Authority. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for your authority that's in this room. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to align with your word and may your word become truth and power to us that we would be forever changed, leaving this place today different than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many remember school? Those of you that went to public school, raise your hand if you went to public school. I know that there's a lot of homeschoolers and your life is a little bit different because in public school, we had that opportunity. And I say opportunity because when you came into class and you saw your teacher wasn't there and a substitute teacher. The f- <laughs> Some people were like, we ain't getting nothing done today. And that poor substitute teacher signed up for God knows what. It was just like, just try to make it out alive today. Any substitute teachers in here? Raise your hand. Oh, I'm going to bless you. Okay, one person. God bless you. Thank you for all you do. It's a tough job. How many know that's because you really have no authority? You just come in there, and you're only doing what you can do. But then the opposite of it is that day when the teacher says, kids, you act on your best behavior because the principal's coming to observe. Anybody remember those days? Principal comes in the back of the room with his notepad and he's writing down everything and the kids are the best they've ever been. The teacher's preaching and teaching like she's got the fire of the Lord on her heart and she don't even know Jesus because she's scared to death. What's this guy writing? And he walks out silent. Anybody remember that? That's the difference between authority. One has limited authority. One has all the authority. It changes the room. Now, there is In creation, God demonstrates what's happening in the supernatural. He demonstrates it in the natural. And he does that in the animal kingdom. Because there's an animal that's called the king of the jungle. And that's the the lion. Did you know that? Like this dude is essentially the boss. And you know he's the boss because he just sits there, wind blowing through his mane. He's just chilling under the tree. He don't have a care in the world, man. Because his woman, the lioness, she's doing all the work. And he's just roaring, man. He's just roaring. And I want you to know that there's a confidence in his authority that he doesn't have to do much. But I also want you to know that his his roar carries authority. Because we just sang about that. And you're like, why why do I have a lion in my lungs? What happened there? How'd that happen, Brandy? How'd I get a lion in there? Well, it's a metaphor for something even greater. Because a lion's roar, see that picture there? That lion's roar, it does certain things in the environment. Number one, it sets up the territory. Lions use roaring to mark their territory, sending a clear message that they're in charge. They just roar. That was kind of a laugh and a roar, just like that. I'm not a lion. I play one on TV. So they, they set the dominance. Then they also, that it also shows courtship and mating. It's a different kind of lion. Yeah. Watch yourself. Yeah. That's how they attract potential mates. The lioness is in heat. (laughs) Some of you, some of you could. Never mind. Never mind. I got to watch. There's kids in the room. Number three, it also sends out alerts and warnings. Lions will roar to signal danger to let the pride know something's going on. He's, He's in control. I'm just sending out a warning. 
And then the fourth one is social bonding. They can use roaring as a way of social bonding among lions. So like, like the roar carries authority in so many different ways. And here's the thing that blew me away. A lion's roar can be heard five miles away. Like that's authority. Papa Chuck, when you, that's the kind of authority you go, man, dude, there's a lion five miles away certain their authority somewhere. Now, how many know that's why Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah? There's lion references all throughout the, the Bible. And that's because what they represent in the natural is what you can represent in the supernatural. Because the Lion of Judah lives inside of you. So here's the deal. Let's talk about these three pieces. Discernment, boldness, and today, authority. Discernment without boldness to do something is just an observation. Let me say that again, because many of you, you're discerning something going on, but you don't know what to do. So really, all you're doing is observing what's going on in our nation. But when you partner that with boldness, now you have something inside of you to, get, to go and address that. But boldness without proper authority can just be rebellion or riot. And I want you to know that many of us today in the church is we have pieces, but we don't have them all together. And just like you would watch a trilogy of movies, you need all three to understand the plot line. I want you to understand that you can have discernment in the kingdom, you can have boldness in the kingdom, and today I want to talk to you about authority in the kingdom. And here's the deal. We need authority to complete it all, but the authority has been given to you. You don't have to earn it. Because if you think you got to earn it in the kingdom, listen, that lion, he ain't, he ain't looking for permission. He ain't looking at an antelope, you know, and going, hey, do you mind if I, if I walk in my authority? You know, a little hyena. He ain't going, hey, do you mind if I roar? No, no. He roars. You know, all of a sudden, everything around them change. That's the kind of boldness God has put inside of you. That's the kind of discernment to understand what to roar at and what kind of roar you need to... Listen, some of you need discernment to know what kind of roar you need to actually roar out. But know this, it's the authority, not in your works, but it's in the finished work of the cross. We are bold because we love God and we love truth, not because we're bold to prove ourselves to God so that he can in turn love us. I had a friend of mine that was here last week, the first time ever at Southview, and he heard the bold message and he shared something with me at the gym the next day, which was so good. Because he said, listen, I've heard the bold message so many times, but in the filter that I have, because I've been in religious environments where it always feels like work. And so boldness, I never feel like I measure up. And for some of you in this room, you have that ideology behind you. It's like, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to read your word so God loves you. You got to pray harder so God sees you. And I'm telling you, all you have to do is know that he has the authority and he lives inside of you. So all you have to do is rest in the finished work, knowing that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. We're not bold to earn God's love and try to create truth. Your boldness may look different than someone else's, but at some point in our life, and I would say even in the near future, if not today, we will be asked to stand up and speak out truth, and it's because of our deep love for God and our deep love for truth that we will desire that people will know the truth because it's the only thing that will set them free. Now listen to me. We are in a demonic war, and that demonic war is trying to distort and misalign your authority in Christ. And in Revelations, Jesus is addressing the different churches. 
And John is writing all this down. But today, I want to address and talk about the church of Thyatira. So if you have your Bibles, Revelations 2, we're going to launch off of here today. I'm going to talk to you about the spirits that you're at war with today in this present age. If you have your Bibles and you have Revelations 2, would you stand to your feet as we read the word today and reverencing his word today? Revelations 2, verse 18. I'm going to read it. You can follow along with me. And it says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God who has eyes like flames of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. That's pretty authoritative right there. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent for her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches minds and hearts and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. To you, I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and the one who keep my work until the end, to him I will give authority. Say authority. Authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as myself have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. And he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You can be seated. Let's talk about Jezebel for a moment. Jezebel. There's been songs written about her. Some men call their exes Jezebel. <laughs> but Jezebel is not only a spirit, but it was also a person in the Old Testament. I preached about Jezebel back in September. I'm not going to be able to go into the depth that I did, but I want you to know that it's a very present spirit in the church today. So this message for the church of Thyatira could very well be for the church of Nashville. I think it's very interesting as we read it, because in Revelations 2 verse 19, this is what Jesus says. He says, I know your works, that's good, your love, your faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. Now, for a moment, that sounds like a really good church. If that was described about a church, you would say, you know what, let's go check out that church. They serve well, they love well, they have a lot of faith, and they're patient with one another. Oh, and by the way, the things they're doing now are even greater than the things they did. But, God says, there's one thing prevalent that cancels out all of that. You've allowed this sexual immorality, this spirit of Jezebel to operate in your midst. And ladies and gentlemen, I think that happens today in the church at large. We've compromised on purity. We've compromised on things. I remember back in the day, man, living with your girlfriend. Whoo, man, you're crazy. Mom come up in that room, knock the sense right out of your head or put some in it, I guess. Nowadays, it's common. Nowadays, People addicted to porn, that's just normality. And it's even rising in women now. The things that we've allowed in, the things that we've compromised, 
Jesus is saying, this should not be in the church today. And it says in verse 23, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches minds and hearts, and I will give to you according to your works. Now, we don't work for love from God, but we do work. And God says, I'm going to see your works. And if your work is full of immorality and sexual impurity, you will reap what you sow. But here's the good news, verse 26. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. So if you keep your heart and mind set on God and you make sure that you keep purity in your mind and your heart, God says, I will give you authority over the nations. He's looking for a healthy church to give him authority to. Man, I want to be that church. That's why I'm preaching messages like this. I get it. Some people are like, man, that's, that's a rough message. But to me, in a time like this, we don't need messages all the time that just tell you how great everything's going on around you. Because you know what? You may not live your best life yet in the natural, but when you live for Christ, you will live your best life in the supernatural when you spend time with him for eternity. And my job as your pastor is to set you up so when you're face-to-face -face with God, he says, well done, good and faithful servant that he can entrust you with much. And I want this church to be a place where God's authority can come to because he knows he can entrust us with it. There's a gift of authority to those who stay pure and holy. And Jezebel, this person, let's talk about her for a moment because she's written all throughout 1 Kings 16 through 21 and 2 Kings 9, you can read about her. And I want to show a picture of an epic battle that Jezebel was involved in. Many of you know the story of this. And this is... Elijah, the prophet, calling down fire from heaven. Literatively, <laughs> I made that word up. How many kids use literally, literative, say it to me, say it to me. I used, oh, I said it in the first verse, say it again. No, you don't even know it either. See, no one knows about it. Literally. He called down fire from heaven. Let's just put it that way. Now, here's the deal. I got to set up the story because some of you might not know it, some of you do know it, but here's the deal. This was a prophet assigned to the nation of Israel, and God had given him authority. Say authority. authority. Now, he was also living in conjunction with a king named King Ahab, who Scripture says was one of the worst kings up to that point, who ruled with evil. Now, he married a woman named Jezebel. Here she is. Songs have been written about her, talked about in Revelations. This woman was so evil that she brought in these prophets of Baal. They began to worship Baal. And, and Prophet Elijah's like, this, this can't happen anymore. So he calls a showdown. He says, look, we're going to have a showdown, an epic showdown. We're going to have two altars. You have the prophet altars for Baal, and I'm going to rebuild the altar for God. And we're going to have a battle, a royale. Here's what we're going to do. Prophets of Baal, 450 of them. I'm only one person, but this is how confident I am. All 450 of you, you're going to pray to your God, Baal, and you're going to ask him to send down fire from heaven, literally, send down fire from heaven, and he's going to burn up your altar, and if he's really God, then that'll be a test. And if my God is really God, then God will send down fire, literally from heaven, and he will prove himself to be the one true living God. So this is how confident he is, and this is another one of those stories. I can't wait to get to heaven and watch it, you know, on replay, because I just think how epic this would have been. Elijah was so confident and bold, and he was so full of discernment that he just sat back and watched these fools act a fool. They literally ran around cutting themselves, shouting out to their God of Baal to send down fire from heaven. Now they did it, 
And they did it for so long that Elijah just starts making fun of him. He's like, man, you know, maybe the dude is out of town. Maybe he's on the toilet. You know, I don't know what's going on. You can imagine. He's just laughing. They're going at it, cutting each other, cursing. What's happening? Finally, the showdown's over. He said, Lola, you had enough. Now, let me do this. I'm going to take it to a whole nother level. Bring over some water and douse the altar. Do it again. Do it again. Does three times. And as soon as Elijah prays to heaven, God literally sends down fire from heaven, burns up the altar, burns up the sacrifice, burns up the water, and then he takes all 450 prophets, brings them down to the brook, and cuts them all up in pieces. That's a great story right there. Now you would think, that's epic, right? That's, that's great. This dude has done it all. But here's the deal. Again, I mentioned to you, there was a character named Jezebel in the story. Jezebel is not going about sitting back watching this thing happen without having a say in something. So we know in Scripture that this spirit and this person are deadly. So let's talk about Queen Jezebel for a moment. The characteristics of the woman and the spirit are they're seductive and aggressive, controlling and manipulative. This is a spirit that is operating in the church today. She was a daughter of the king of the Sidonians, and she was a pagan princess, and she marries Ahab. He should never have married her. He brought in all the evil into the kingdom, and she killed. Listen to what she did. She killed the prophets of God, and she shut down the temples. Her desire, the spirit's desire, is to stop you from hearing from God and to stop you from learning about God. And it's seductive, it's, it's sensual, it, it kind of creeps in. It's not overt, it's covert. You never know, all of a sudden you feel this manipulative, this seductive thing going around. What is that? That is a spirit assigned to destroy the church. But it usually partners with its husband. <laughs> now that's in the natural, but in the spirit, it's a spirit, an Ahab spirit. Now what is this Ahab, this king? What was he? He was passive and he was tolerant. The dude had no backbone. He was the victim. He was apathetic. In fact, if we read on in Scripture, he wanted a piece of land because it, it was situated in a good place. And he thought, I want it. And he was so sad because the guy wouldn't sell it. And he was sitting in his bed. And he was crying. He's sucking his toes. And Queen Jezebel said, what do you want? What's going on? I want that land. He won't give it to me. She said, listen, I'll take care of it. She goes and sets up this guy, has a murder, takes the land. Now, we think that's a crazy story. These dudes are nuts. But that spirit, that apathetic spirit, is at work today in the church as well. Now, there's good news. Because with every one of those spirits, there's always a victim. The victory is that there, God is raising up prophets like Elijah in the church today. And look what the characteristics of this man was. He was assertive. He was godly. He was bold. He was discerning. See, I want you to understand that what took place on that land there with those altars is still happening today. We are still in a battle against the controlling and the apathetic. And listen to me today, church. Some of you in this room, you're going to have to get some fire from heaven to come down and burn up what is existing in your altar of your heart today. Because we need a church that hears from the Lord, that discerns from the Lord, and is bold in the Lord. Because today... We are not in peacetime. I want you to understand that. For some of you, we lived in good eras where things were going well. And I remember talking for years as growing up, you know, America's blessed. Now all of a sudden, things have changed drastically. 
I mean, I think it feels like it's been heightened. It feels like we're in, we're in like fifth gear. We're, we're, we're going full throttle. And I'm like, Lord, what do we do? And he said, you need to continue to edify the church and build up the church, raise up the church to walk in its boldness, in its discernment, and its authority. And here's the deal. In this epic showdown, Elijah says something that I think applies today. In 1 Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah came near all the people of Israel. These are God's people. And he says this. This is what he says. He says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? The word limping is the word paralyzed by indecision. And it says between two different opinions. Can I just talk to you right now today? It seems like the church is going limping between two different opinions. One is truth and one is what are be, we're being told by the world, by our nation. And you need to know that the same statement is being said over you today. How long, church, will we go limping in indecision? Because this is what he says. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And here's the deal. The people did not answer him a word. We must not be those people. They were scared. They were fearful. They were indecisive. They sat back. We don't know what to do. Jezebel's She's the queen, Ahab, he's the king. They have control. Today, we gotta rise up with the authority of God. See, Elijah had confidence and expectation in where and whom his authority came from. That's why he walked around. He was making jokes with the prophets of Baal. He was throwing water on the altar. He said, I can make it as difficult as we need to because my God is so in control that it doesn't matter. Water ain't gonna hold him back. You running around acting a fool ain't gonna stop him. All I gotta do is say, God, it's time. And God God will send the fire from heaven, literally, on this place. That's the confidence he had, and that's the boldness he had, and that's the holy reverence and the power of the authority, because he knew you will not mock my God. Oh, he ain't sleeping, and he ain't on the toilet. He is ever-present right now, and he will do what only he can do. See, here's the deal. He had the authority, but the problem with Elijah, as we read on, is he didn't count the cost. Because how many know that many of us, we want the authority, but we don't know there's a cost to it? And here's the deal. The attack comes against your authority. And I want you to hear me today. The attack will come after your victory. Write that down. It will come after your victory. The enemy will wait. You'll have a little party. You'll high-five each other. You'll think everything was good. The enemy will just sit back because he ain't got nothing but time. He'll sit back and go, oh, you enjoy your party. In fact, you, you talk to every pastor. They, they preach a message, sounds great, feels good. They go home. The enemy will just wait. All of a sudden, Monday morning, you'll get this thought in your mind. Does anybody even care? Am I even making a difference? Some of you have experienced healing in your life. You've had a powerful moment with God. Some of you guys from camp, you've experienced the Holy Spirit. But then when school starts, you'll be sitting back going, I guess I'll just go back to the way it was. Because the enemy wants to take your victory. But here's the deal. Elijah went through that. Jezebel sent a messenger to him after all of this. She said, listen to me. <laughs> so may the gods. Essentially, she said, let the demons do to me even greater. If by this time next tomorrow, I don't cut you up into pieces like you did my prophets. And you know what Elijah did? He was afraid. He rose and he ran. Can we talk for a moment? Dude just called fire literally from heaven down. Chopped up 450. That just takes a lot of time. 
Have you ever just tried to cut up chicken for dinner? He's cutting up people, 450 of them. You would think the guy, the 450th person, he had to watch the whole thing. Going, man, this is going to, take, this is going to be bad. He's chopping them up. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to do it to you. And the dude runs away in fear. Where did that fear come? The enemy waits. He'll wait because he wants to challenge your authority. The attack also comes after your strength, not your weakness. Listen to me. It comes after your strength. What is your strength? It's the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you. The gifts that you have, the whole, oh, the enemy will try to make you think that you can't do this. For those of you, the gift of hospitality, he'll frustrate you so much that you'll never want to have somebody over your house again. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Some of you be like, oh, we're going to have people over. We're going to have tea and crimpets. Where are we at? In London? We're going to have, we're going to have fish and chips. We're going to have a good time. And all of a sudden, listen to me, all of a sudden, the toilet breaks, overflows, and leaks from your ceiling. And now you have a decision to make. Are we still going to do this? Are we going to press through this? Are we going to cancel it? Because the enemy wants to come after your strength. He'll even come after those that are compassionate and merciful. He'll make you, he'll, you're so compassionate and merciful, and one person uses it to their advantage, and they hurt you, and you'll say, I'll never do that again. I'll never help another person again. If your gift of giving, he'll say, I'll never give again. Why? Because he wants your gift and your strength to be silenced. Jezebel's single desire was to kill the prophets of God. She wanted to silence the voice of the one true living God. The devil wants you to question God's voice in your life because that's where you get your assignment, your identity. Because the next one is the attack comes after your identity. He wants to question who you are in God. That's why so many people come to church, they don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know what they do. I, I don't know that I'm chosen. I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I don't know that I'm a son and daughter. So what does he do? He comes after you. He abuses you by your, your living father so that you can have a hard time receiving from your heavenly father. So there's trigger words. When I say, Father, God loves you. Oh, ah. Why? Because he wants to come after your identity. You're a son and daughter of the king. Now, last one is, this is the one that gets me so mad that the attack comes after your belonging. What does that mean? First Kings 19.10. Look what Elijah says. He says, I only am left. They seek my life to take it away. Elijah thought he was all by himself. He said, everybody's been killed. I'm the only one left. God had to visit him and say, listen, there's thousands of other prophets. <laughs> You're not the only one. For some of you, you struggle with where you belong. The enemy comes in. He'll cause an offense. So you leave the church. You go to another church. And somehow that offense is there too. You try to give it a name. You try to give it a person. You try to make it the pastor. It's none of that. You know what it is? It's the enemy trying to stop you from belonging. So listen to me. And I'll, I'm going to tell you, I'm in agreement with the pastors in this city. We want you to find a church and plant in the church and get through your issues. I'm going to do a whole message on church hurt because I'm telling you right now, it's the single thing that is stopping people from plugging into their destiny. And it's a lie. The enemy wants you to feel like you don't belong. So he'll come after your belonging. Now, here's the lies that he tells you. There's two lies. I've kind of brought it down to two. Make it real simple for you. Number one, the enemy wants you to believe that he has more authority than he really has. I've heard people say to me that one day when we see the enemy face to face in heaven, this whole epic thing goes down, revelations, you'll see it. And we'll look at him and be this like little dude and we'll be like, that's the dude that's been terrorizing humanity. We'll be like, unbelievable. <laughs> and we'll be like, come on, man, just kick him in the abyss. Let's get this over with. But if you really think about it, he has no authority. 
You have more authority than him. That's lie number one. Lie number two is that your authority is based on your works. Your authority is based on who is inside of you. Listen, I want you to be like a lion under the tree in the safari, just going, ah, and just sitting there. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's so confident, uh, a, a little hyena, <laughs> he ain't going to do nothing to him. There's not a dude, there's not an animal on the planet in the area that can affect him. That's the confidence he has. That's why every time you see a video of the safari or the jungle, the lion is never stressed. Have you ever seen a stressed out lion? The only time he's stressed is when we put him in a zoo. Because <laughs> he can't roar, he, can't, he, doesn't have his, he doesn't have his area anymore. The Jezebel spirit, listen to me, and the Ahab spirit are always looking to shut down the authority of Jesus in the believer. We have to identify the mode of operation in order to be aware on how to use discernment and then to have boldness and then to walk in his authority. So here's my question to you today. What kind of authority are you aligned with? Now, there's three things that I brought to you today. I'm not saying you're possessed by these spirits. I'm just saying many of us have bought into a lie and we operate through that lens. For some of us in this room, there's a controlling thing behind you. And you don't even really know it, but other people do. In fact, this is, oh, she's like a Jezebel. No, and it's not always a woman. It's not always a woman. Because we like to throw that on women. But man, there's men that are controlling and manipulative. And that's, that's a spirit. You've, been, you, you, you've come into alignment with that. That is not God's plan. That is not your identity. And some of you, you need to get rid of the Ahab thing going on in your life. And that's another one. You don't know you have it, but everybody else does because you're the one going, oh, I'm always the victim. Uh, or you see something happening around you and you're apathetic. Oh, well, I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, it's not my job. And here's the problem. Those things creep into the church. But the good news is, and this is where I want to lead you to, is that I believe that many of us in this room, if not all of us, will have this fiery God boldness and discernment that not only do we hear from the Lord like Elijah did, but we stand up for what's truth. Not in my nation. Not while I have breath in my lungs. You see that? You know what he had to do? He had to rebuild the altar of God because it was destroyed. Jezebel broke the altar, destroyed the altar. He said, first things first, let's rebuild the altar. And let's sacrifice to God what is God's. And I guarantee you, when we sacrifice and we get things back into alignment, there will be a reconnection to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of power we need in the church today. Listen to me here. The authority you're aligned with will affect the mission you're assigned to. And if you're aligned with a different authority, you will wander with no power. You will constantly point fingers at other people. You will never find the right church community. You will always look about what can I get? What can I do? Who am I? As opposed to looking and saying, no, no, no. I have a place. I have a purpose. I have an identity. I have a power. I have an authority. Do you know that people that are, listen, here's the deal. Whether you like it or not, some of you in this room don't, Tom Brady is the GOAT. I'm sorry it pains for me to say that, but we did beat him in that second Super Bowl appearance. So he wasn't that goat that day. Anyway, the point of it all was that when he stepped on that field, I, I watched it because I'm a big, and, and you could say this about any area. Lionel Messi, anybody watch that thing? 
anybody watch soccer? Nobody. It's, it's, okay, never mind. This is one, wow, one person. That's America. Welcome to America. <laughs> Only one of the greatest soccer players on the planet came to play for Miami. Now, I'm not a big soccer guy, but all I know is that place erupted. Dude was wearing pink, still more manly than anybody in this room. He... He, listen, it would, couldn't have been scripted any better. The dude had the last kick, right? And to win the game, he kicks that thing, bend it like Beckham, who was there, by the way, and the ball goes like this into the net, wins the game. Tom Brady, you got one last drive in the Super Bowl. You want Tom Brady throwing to, it don't even matter if it's the janitor. He'll catch it because he'll throw it right in a place. That's how some of you, some of you forget and I don't want to equate Tom Brady with God, so please digress here. Some of you forget that you have the greatest player on the field right now living inside of you. That, that, listen, it doesn't matter what quarter it is. It doesn't matter how behind you are. All I can say is you forget. We have already won. It is not a game. It's already been decided. So we have to understand that the authority that we're aligned with will determine the mission you're assigned to. So let's talk about it. Number one, you are on mission. Say on mission. Authority comes from being sent by Jesus. You did not just get up today and your greatest goal is to get a discount at Publix. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, some of you guys are like, wow, look how much we saved. My wife gets so excited at Kroger. She does. She does. And it's, it, it, she's gotten me excited about it. I'll be honest with you. I get excited too, right? Because it's a lot of money to feed these kids, right? And feed all of us. So, so it just goes up and the number keeps going. I'm like, oh, Lord, help us. And my wife waits. She waits to the end. She pulls out that Kroger Plus card. Some of you get excited. You know what I'm talking about. She zaps that thing. And we're like, whoo. Even, even the teller, even the person behind the counter goes, whoo. Oh, I was stressed for you too. I swear, it's like a game. They're like, you want to know how much it is? I said, no, I don't. Scan the card, and she does. But some of you go home and go, that was my highlight of my day. But your highlight, listen to me, is you are on mission. Say on mission. You're on mission. Authority comes from being sent by Jesus. Do you know that Jesus has personally sent you? Personally sent you. Now listen to me. Some of you think, well, that's just Pastor Mark's job. That's why we pay them, right? The staff, that's what they're doing. No, no, no. Every Christian, every person who confesses Jesus as Lord, you are on mission. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said to them, Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized is saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now pause for a moment. That's good news because that takes the pressure off you to perform. Because some of you think if I don't get everybody saved, then I'm a failure. No, it says if they don't, it's on them. If they do, amen. But here's the deal. You got to go. Then these signs, oh, it gets better. It gets better. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These are the tools you have on mission. That's the authority you've been given. Now, I'm not saying go home and pick up a snake. I'm not saying go drink Drano. I'm just saying if for some reason Drano seems to slip into your water bottle, guess what? You ain't going to die. And some people forgot about that in 2020. Oh, now I brought it back. Here comes 2020. Here it comes. Stinking brought it back up. I'm trying to put it back away. But some of you need to remember how you responded because you are on mission. And listen to me. No virus is going to stop the mission God has placed you. Listen to me. 
Ah, four people. That's okay. Next one. Commission. Say, I'm on commission. I'm a commissioned. Authority comes from being obedient to the mission. Jesus sends out the 72. And in Matthew 28, it says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has it all. He's got all the authority in all the universe. He's the original master of the universe. He's got everything. Everything is in him. Now listen, follow that. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And here's the deal. And surely I am with you. The original master of the universe is inside of you, and he's with you always. So you have at the power, the authority inside of you. Oh, you have a lion inside of your lungs, right? Oh, he's a little kitty cat. Meow. <laughs> Got to wake up. Got to wake up. He is inside. You are in co-mission with him. You are not on a lonely mission. You are not on a solo mission. You are not the, you're not the, what was that, Lone Ranger? You know what I'm saying? You are on co-mission. You're with him. He's with you. And if, Jesus, take the wheel. Some of you need to actually give over the wheel to him. I was going to say Carrie Underwood on you. But anyway, last one. You are in submission. Say submission. Authority comes from coming under the one who sent you. James 4 says this, Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. For some of you, it's not the fact that you aren't bold enough. You're too bold in your own confidence. And you need to realize that apart from him, you can do nothing. There is not one inkling in my breath, in my lungs, in my understanding that can lead a move of God other than than the Holy Spirit who comes out of me. That's it. I was in a room full of young, 250 students this week and 100 leaders. And I watched God move on Thursday night. I knew, I know he moved on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning. He moved. But we all know in that room, it was nothing that we could do. It was nothing that Pastor Grant did. It wasn't your leadership. It's not even Luke's good looks. It is a move of God. It's a presence. I sat there on Thursday night and I just soaked in the presence of God because I felt like God was like, I'm pleased with this generation. Hear me. Your generation, it, listen, I don't care what the world says and our nation says and the statistics say, there is a hunger for the things of the Lord. This, I've, been, I've been speaking at camp for probably eight years now. And that was the, I told Leanne when I came home, that was the first time where I felt every eye, I felt that, that they were receptive. And you guys were tired. I get it, out all day in the sun. But they wanted to hear that God has given them victory over pornography. That God has given them victory over sickness and depression. God has given them victory over sexual things. God has given them victory. He's a generational God, so he'll do it for that generation. He'll do it for the millennials. He'll do it for all the other baby boomers. Come on now, you need help, baby boomers. <laughs> but here's the deal. This whole title that I put together, I, I misled you. Because I've been saying from the very beginning, we live in a cataclysmic kingdom. A violent upheaval. Social and political nature. But I want to flip it on you. This whole time I've been trying to flip it on you, that you actually release a cataclysmic kingdom. Because we do not live in a kingdom that serps the kingdom of God. So might I pose to you a suggestion that you serve a kingdom that can upheaval or bring an upheaval to the political system, that can bring it to the social system, 
that when you speak something on social media, it actually carries weight and brings people to deliverance. Come on, when you pray for the government, things shift. Come on, man. You have the ability and the authority to transform this city. You carry a cataclysmic kingdom of God that destroys the works of darkness. And it's like a flood. And a flood that will cover everything. So today, hear me. We have played defense as the church for way too long. We've been playing catch up for too long. Trying to battle things that are happening. Oh, depression's an issue? Okay, we got to figure out what God says about depression. Okay, what is it? Sexual morality? Okay, let's see what happens here. How do, where do we go? Where do we go? We're always trying to look for solutions when we are the solution. God has given us the solution. You are the light. You're the city on a hill. You are the person that God chose to transform this city in this hour. So you need to go from playing defense to playing offense. And Sandy, I'm going to say this, because the last Super Bowl, I'm still bitter. Sandy's Chiefs beat us, rightfully so. You had a great quarterback. But I thought first, oh man, if Jalen Hurts can get one more drive, if he can get one more, trust me, I promise you, I promise you this, Sandy. Don't shake your head. It's, don't rebel against your pastor. That's truth. If he could have just got one more drive, <laughs> if he could just have one more drive, I was like, I was confident. I was confident because I believed in our offense. And many of you have forgotten you have been given the greatest offensive weapon. That's the blood of Jesus. Oh man. So I need you to be discerning. I need you to be bold. But I need you to tap into the authority of Jesus. And when you pray, don't pray Minnie Mouse prayers. Jesus, if you would heal my little friend here. I hold Kermit the Frog here. I don't want to bother you. No, you pray like there is a lion inside of your lungs. Because the Lion of Judah isn't a kitty cat walking around. And cats are crazy anyway. I'd rather have a lion. The lion is confident. The lion of Judah has already won. Man. So here's the deal. I, wanna, I want you to turn your attention to these slides again. Look at all these things. This is just a few of them. The LGBTQ, racism, oppression, our political system. My body, my abortion, different genders, all these things that are going on in our nation. First of all, you know this, that everyone that struggles in any of those spheres, Jesus loves them. Now listen to me. You have the ability to enter into any of those spheres and change an environment. I want you to know this for certain. I can tell you this because I'm around a lot of different pastors all the time. The church is becoming more diverse than ever before. It's really happening. We want to keep fighting each other because God knows, I should say the enemy knows, that if we're divided over skin color, over backgrounds, over ages, we won't have a Pentecost moment. But if we want to see this world change, we've got to plug into what God's doing. So here's what I want to do today. With every eye closed, because I don't want distractions here today. But if you're here today and you're like, Lord, I want more boldness. I want more discernment. And I want to walk in your authority. I want you to raise your hand right now if that's you today. That's me. 
to raise my hand. I can't do this without him. I refuse to. And here's the deal. When you raise your hand, it's extended to heaven like, God, I need you. Some of you, God is raising up in this process today an upgrade that you'll begin to hear him and something inside, we say it's a fire in your belly, but I'm saying something inside of you says, I can't sit back anymore. I can't, I have the truth and the truth will set them free. Now some of you in this room, you're evangelists, but your mouth has been quiet because you've you bought into a lie. The enemy's come after your, your strength and that strength is, don't you open your, your, don't you open your mouth because if they do, people will come to know Jesus. So, so he's told you, you don't know enough, or you're not smart enough, you can't articulate what God's word says. God used a man named Moses who stu- 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 stuttered and he still used him, why? Because he knew that there was something more powerful in his weakness because where he's weak, he makes us strong. Come on now. So whatever your excuse is today, God has a solution. And it's in his Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.